Welcome to the Outdoor States Podcast, a series of live conversations with the thinkers, the advocates, the businesses, and the state officials who are fueling a national movement in outdoor recreation, one state at a time. As an outdoor rec economy advocate myself in the state of Vermont, I've been having conversations with people around the country about this topic for the last several years, and and repeatedly I'm just blown away by how interesting these people are, how insightful they are, how passionate they are on this topic, so I decided to make a podcast. And yeah, I'm going to admit it's not going to be the best audio for every call, and yes, this is a little low budget and definitely a desktop publishing job, but I think what's really important here are the people that are on the phone. They have a remarkable passion, uh, incredible local perspectives, and um, and are really willing to share what they're doing so that we can all learn from it. And today on Outdoor States, we have Jim Hopman from Maine. Jim is uh, one of the co-founders of Maine Outdoor Brands. Uh, he is a leading advocate for an office of outdoor recreation at the state level and uh, has really... Um, taken a huge amount of the workload in terms of, of getting this up and running in the state of Maine. Great guy, super interesting, super smart. I hope you enjoy it. So let's just start here. I mean, you are in the state of Maine, really on the verge of having an outdoor recreation office at the state level. What What is the status of that, that at, this, at this moment, uh, you know, December 13th? At this moment, so uh, let's see. Uh, it was back in August of this year that the commissioner at the Department of Economic and Community Development found some money um, and, and uh, at a lot of urging from Maine Outdoor Brands and other constituents in the state to fund the creation of the Office of Outdoor Recreation. Um, the money is actually part of the Department of Tourism's budget. And so what she opted to do was make the funds available on a temporary basis uh, so that they could hire a director. And the director was brought on in September with the charge of um, really exploring the mission of the organization. And then with that established, what's the organizational structure needed to support that mission. And so now uh, Carolyn Ouellette, who is the director has been in that role for almost three months. She's been meeting with uh, just constituents all over the state, gathering feedback, understanding how best this office would serve uh, the state. And uh, her charge is really, she has until June, that's when the uh, temporary funding would run out. Uh, We have submitted a bill to the legislature, uh, which is a new legislature coming in in January. Um, We have a whole new uh, political climate in Augusta, everything is flipped, and we are seeing a lot of receptivity to potentially funding this thing permanently. But as it stands today, December 13th, we have a temporary office about direct recreation. We have a director in that role, and uh, we're currently looking um, for how best that office can serve the needs of everyone um, in the state. And between you and me and the couple dozen people that will hear this, that what that really means is somebody's actually on the clock getting paid to figure this stuff out instead of doing it for free. Absolutely. Yeah, she's <laughs> a state employee. I mean, she has yeah. business cards. She is participating in panels. She was out at uh, Outdoor Retailer. So she's making the rounds. And I mean, the, the challenge in, in our state is it's a, it's a big state and there's a lot of conservation. There's a lot of recreation. There's a lot of economic development offices and, and really trying to bring all of that into phase, into focus so that we can come up with a message or even an organization that can serve all those very uh, disparate needs at times is a challenge. So I remember when she first took the job and we, we've been talking quite a bit and she said, you know, I figure I'm going to have to have 30 or 40 meetings. I think she's up to like 200 now if she can get them all. But Right. Every time you pick up another rock, there's another six organizations that's like, yeah, that they would want to be participants in this as well. So it's, uh, I think in order for the department to be successful or the office to be successful, it's really incumbent upon us to do our homework to make sure that we're understanding and have spoken to as many people as possible in uh, casting the net. Completely. And 
so going back from December 13, 2018 to when you started on this process and and really the, the process was a few people getting together, talking about it, then creating uh, an entity called Maine Outdoor Brands, and then that group working together to to advocate for this role. How long ago do you remember sort of being pulled into this conversation? So uh, the genesis of Maine Outdoor Brands really goes back to outdoor retailer Winter 17, which was uh, in Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. There was a half dozen Maine brands there, and we all said, let's just get a beer one night. And the conversation was uh, who, who were about some, the show and who about were, business, but we also talked a lot about the, the business climate back home. Right, and, uh, right. and, and just it was around the same time that OIA had released their economic data, the impact of the outdoor rec- recreation economy on each state. And it was a big number for a state of our size. I think it was $8.2 billion a year. And, you know, I've heard some people contest some of the numbers, but it's a big number no matter how you slice it, again, for a state our size. And uh, between those brands talking and, and taking some of that OIA data to the Department of Economic Community Development and just kind of stirring the pot a bit, um, Maine Outdoor Brands was formed um, but we weren't the first to come to the office, uh, the Department of Ac- uh, Economic Development Office, and ask for the Outdoor Recreation Office to be formed. Others had done that before us, but I think it was the first time that an organization had uh, approached the DECD as a uh, like a an association of businesses. And at that point, we had about 15, 15 or almost twenty, including LL Bean. And when you have a Two billion dollar company advocating for this office in your state, you people tend to listen to you, and so that's where the conversation ultimately got started. It was probably summer of seventeen. So, so it was January twenty seventeen. Do you remember who those six companies were that were in that first conversation? That first conversation was uh, um, Good to Go, Flowfold, uh, Trailspace.com. Sure. Yeah. Uh, see who else was in there stable which is the ice cleat company yeah um blaze which is our marketing firm we were kind of part of the conversation and uh might have been it for the first might have been just those four or five brands for the first conversation that night and and talking about you know you mentioned sort of talking about the situation in maine and it's it's interesting you know i was just i just had one of these conversations a couple days ago with a western state you know, and they're they're dealing with a very different situation. You know, they have major surpluses in many states because of uh, extractive industries, because of legalized marijuana, because of just trying to figure out how to spend the money that they have. And you know, for the East Coast states and the New England states, particularly, it's a it's a bit different of a situation. And um, what what was sort of the the riddle that you guys discussed when you were thinking about the situation in Maine? Well, I think Maine has some unique challenges um, per capita. It's the oldest state in the country. I mean, people always think of Florida. That's where the old people are. They're here. They're here in Maine. Um, <laughs> right. We had a huge bubble um, 30 years ago. The state was one of the youngest. And what's happened is we have not had any people really moving into the state. And those that were here 30 years ago have stayed. So the average age in the state is approaching 50. So there's some very serious problems the state is facing in terms of, you know, cost of taking care of an older population and cost of, you know, is it important to keep all these parks open if state parks, if people aren't going to be using them because our uh, population is so old. So, um, you know, I'm sure it's, it's similar in Vermont too. You know, you talk about the, the drain of the young people all wanting to go to the city. They may, come to the universities here in the state, but then they all split afterwards because there just aren't the right jobs for them. And then meanwhile, all of us that are still here are just getting older. And uh, so I think one of the things that we thought was really compelling about the outdoor recreation economy as it related to Maine is that it tends to be a, um, a younger industry and it attracts young, healthy, um, smart people who appreciate what we have in spades, which is the outdoors. And so between uh, the ocean, the lakes, the streams, the mountains, these are all draws for for young. They're draws for outdoor businesses. 
And so we saw the opportunity to kind of help dial back some of the state's bigger problems by talking about the outdoor recreation economy. And it's interesting, you know, it's definitely one of those conversations that the longer it goes on, much as you were saying about the new office, the bigger you realize that 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 conversation is, you know, and, and another interesting part about Maine is really that sort of rural and southern Maine divide. I mean, there's and I, I, it's probably not the right word for it. it's not a divide. It's just a, a reality that you have a, a bunch of concentrated population and wealth in southern Maine. And then as you put sort of push out into the northern regions of the state, it's it gets a little sleepier. However, outdoor recreation businesses, small businesses, young businesses, they kind of like being in some of those small places. Um, but let, in terms of main outdoor band, brands and how it grew. So you had that first meeting, you um, you grew it into a more formal entity of about 20 brands in July of 2017. What? How did you decide how to structure it? You know, I mean, having been through this a bit, you know, there are decisions that have to be made. You know, for one, do you only allow outdoor recreation businesses in there, or how do you how do you bring some, a bank in or uh, an insurance company? And and I noticed that you guys have some supporting partners. Can you talk a little bit about why you guys decided to do that? Yeah, that's a great question. So. Uh... <laughs> There's a lot of learn as you go. I mean, I wish I could say we sat down and had a master plan for all of this in, back in July, but much of it was word of mouth. I mean, it, it, um, we were fortunate to be able to create uh, an identity for the organization, a website for the organization. Those same six or so people from Salt Lake were committed to it uh, as a nucleus. They were the advisory board. Um, we filed for 501c6 status. That actually application went through um, early 2018. But as part of the process, realized we had to have a formal board of directors. So the advisory board was really more charged with um, creating value for the members, whether that was events, uh, whether that was outdoor retailer booth that people could co-share costs, uh, collaboration opportunities, breakfast briefings. So the advisory board took all of that on. The board of directors, which we started to put together in the fall, probably late fall of 17, early 18, was comprised more of business leaders who may have an interest in the outdoor space, but weren't necessarily owners of outdoor product companies. And that group really was more instrumental in thinking about how to consult with the state, with the DECD, on uh, the formation of the office. That was their charge, showing the value of Maine's outdoor recreation economy to the people that were in Augusta, the state capital. Sure. And then, so for Maine Outdoor Brands, um, what were the first the first goals that the group had? I mean, I know, you know, there was sort of this longer term goal of let's, let's elevate and, you know, increase the prominence of this industry within the state. Um, but you guys did get, get it together and get a trade show booth going and uh, host some um, some like some breakfast meetings and things like that too. I mean, what 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 was the what was the first thing that happened and what were sort of the initial goals? Uh, so the first thing, and to kind of go back to your earlier question, how do we bring in some of these other partners? This kind of is part and parcel. So we cast the net for more outdoor product companies, and they started to find us. But then we started getting a lot of requests from nonprofits, from the Nature Conservancy, from Trust for Public Land here, uh, from Ripple Effect and Maine Hudson Trails. Sure. How did they play? And so we created a separate uh, bucket, I guess, if you will, for members. So there were the brands themselves, and then we had nonprofit partners, and then we had supporters, which were organizations or companies that really didn't have necessarily a direct tie to the outdoor recreation industry in any way, but wanted to support the efforts of the organization of Maine Outdoor Brands in promoting uh, the economic value, the economic impact. And so those three tiers for us have worked pretty well. Um, they, they've evolved a little bit. We've had to split the uh, supporter into three different levels. We've got um, uh, Trailhead, Treeline, and Summit, and each gets different um, mentions and accolades at different events, depending on the level of giving. And so it, it's, it's, we're trying to make it as inclusive as possible and let as many people as possible play. So that's worked out pretty well. Um, the other half of your question, 
Can you just one more time without the second part? <laughs> so the, the other part of the question was, you know, what was the initial, uh, what were the initial goals of the group before? I mean, um, it, you know, I know you were, uh, it probably took a while to get a trade show booth planned together and, you know, to host some breakfast meetings. And I'm just curious, um, which was, what was the first thing that the group said, all right, we're going to do this first and that's how we're going to get rolling. The first thing we did, and uh, the first thing we did, we had a, a media event in November of 2017. Right. Uh, we approached uh, Steve Smith, who was the CEO, President CEO of L.L. Bean to speak. We approached uh, Senator Angus King to speak and uh, the commissioner at the DECD to speak. And all three did. And that gave us like instant credibility. We had a PR firm helping us out with... Uh, getting the word out. And so we got coverage from everywhere in Maine and um, NECN in Boston, and it, it got picked up by the AP. So it was funny, I was getting some things from friends out West. It's like, what are you doing back there in Maine? So <laughs> the goal wasn't necessarily to get the Kansas City Star to talk about Maine outdoor brands, but it ended up on their AP wire. So um, that event for us was pivotal because we went from about 15, 20 members like two weeks later, we had 40 members. It just like all these brands came out of the woodwork and wanted to figure out how they could participate. And so um, that that was kind of made things very real. And then the other was uh, having the trade show booth in Denver. Uh, so on a parallel track, as I said, like the board was doing more of the advocacy, but the advisory board was talking about, we want to make a big splash for our organization at OR. And we want to take a bunch of brands out there that have never been to OR before and show them what the, you know, what North America's largest winter trade show looks like because they've never been. And so um, while we were over at the press event, they were signing up brands to come out to OR. And that was another moment, I think, for us that was a, a kind of a proof of concept, just the energy from that uh the design of the booth, the brands that were there, the meetings that people had. I think uh, we were given an award. One of um, a blogger came through at one point and gave us a nice little award. And, you know, next thing you know, we're being mentioned in front of his 100,000 followers. So there was some really positive momentum that came early in, in uh, 2018. And uh, Matt Powell, who speaks at OR um, and oftentimes fills a ballroom with his predictions on trend and forecast happens to live in Maine. So he came and did a breakfast briefing two weeks after OR. And, and I, I introduced him by saying two weeks ago, Matt was out in uh, Salt Lake or in Denver uh, speaking in front of 700 people. And he's talking in front of 50 this morning. And it just, it just, it, all of a sudden we became kind of a, a bit of a lightning rod in the state for trying to bring about um, recognition for the economic impact that the outdoor recreation industry had. Yeah, and those those. So, have you held more of those breakfast roundtable meetings? Yeah, we've had we had four. We did them quarterly, and we've talked about. Um, I think the most popular one we had last year was on raising capital, and so one of our one of the members of the board um, is very plugged into um, venture capital in the state, and put together a seven person panel to talk about how do you grow your business and how do you, what they're looking for, uh, what a bank would be looking for, what a equity partner would be looking for, how do you go out and raise money? And uh, I remember because they sat in a semicircle, the seven panelists in the front of the room, there were probably close to a hundred people there. And they, one of the panelists asked, how many people here are in a position to potentially seek funds to grow their business and almost all the hands went up sure. and you just saw every one of the panelists just sit up a little straighter in their chair because this was <laughs> going to be a meeting you know this yeah. was not just like presenting to you know the the local school or something like that right. this is like we're talking to business leaders here and so it was a really great conversation it went on about two and a half hours it could have been five hours you know we ultimately had to cut it off uh, but it was just a great discussion and so that again um, just strong events. We we surveyed the members on what kind of things they wanted to learn more about, and and that's that's the content we put together for them. And so they responded in kind by showing up. Where, where do you do your events? We move them around. Uh, we've had them. Let's see. 
We've had them in vacant uh, office spaces when we can get them. <laughs> yeah. We've had them in members' facilities. We have had them in supporters' offices. It really is kind of whatever works best. And then, so in terms of, you know, you said you were surveying your members and then hosting these quarterly breakfast meetings or roundtables or whatever you want to call them. Are those things that you surveyed, are the priorities that your members gave you also the priorities that um, have sort of been stovepiped up to the state level for the Office of Outdoor Recreation? Uh, a little bit. Um, so the survey we did was in early 18, earlier this year. And so we've been, you know, we were pretty clear over in the question of like, we're going to be putting on four of these breakfast briefings. Here are eight different, 10 different topics, rank them and get back to us. And so those topics are what we've done for the breakfast briefings. We haven't really taken that to the state. Um, we, we haven't really taken that same information to the state. Right. And so then, okay, so the, the breakfast meetings are happening. Um, that's really a kind of a member facing strategy of main outdoor brands. The the trade show is uh, booth is continuing to happen. I saw you guys had another booth at the summer show or the November show, right? Uh, looked great. Um, that is more sort of, I guess, business development facing. I mean, what is at this point? What is the what is the hopeful goal of the trade show booth for Maine Outdoor Brands? That's a great question. So our first booth was very member centric. Uh, the state gave us a little bit of money to help offset some costs, but just you know a tiny bit. The booth was really uh, supported by the brands that chose to participate. That was January. Uh, the summer show was also brand supported, but there was a little bit more state involvement. The state was interested in getting some tourism information out there. And uh, so we brought some uh, collateral and I think we had a video that we were able to show. And, and they also provided us with a little bit more funding. And then this most recent show, we kind of took a slightly different tack. And then we had a couple brands out in the booth with us. Uh, but we also brought with us this time two organizations. One is called uh, Live and Work in Maine, which is a relatively new nonprofit that uh, is charged with trying to retain and attract people, uh, young people, to jobs here in the state. So it's connecting um, recent grads and anyone interested in moving to Maine with employers in the state. So, um, and, and not like a search firm, they really are more one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, they've got a great website and uh, we wanted to bring them out because in the summer uh, when we were working our booth, I can't tell you how many people came up and said, I would love to live in Maine. You know, I, my grandparents had a camp there. I went, to I went to camp there myself. My parents are from there. That So many people had a connection to the state that we, thought it would be valuable to have them as a partner there. And um, we also came out with Maine and Company, which is a quasi-state entity uh, that facilitates business and economic development within the state. So, um, you know, should Amazon be looking for a third headquarters, it would be a Maine and Company that might put together the program or package for them. And so, again, um, thinking about the summer show, and people walking up to the booth saying, I would love to have my business in Maine. Who do I talk to about that? This time we brought those folks out with us and, and that it was successful for everyone. Yeah, it was a great, the, the booth looked great. It was, you know, super slick and professional. It was well-staffed, had young people, you know, lots of energy. Um, but it is interesting. It's continuing to evolve. And do, do you think where it is now is sort of going to be the, the trajectory of that booth for the next couple of years? or cycles uh, or for the be. next show or whatever? Yeah, we're actually, that's one possibility. The other is we're thinking about uh, the possibility of creating kind of a main pavilion, similar to what the uh, Scandinavian Outdoor Group has done. Sure. So do we create more of like a large booth and give main brands like stalls within the booth? And so that's on the table right now. We're talking to a couple bigger brands in the state about maybe being like almost the anchor tenants in the booth and then populating with some of the smaller, cooler brands that are up and coming. So, so that was yeah. summer, summer, eight, uh, summer 19. Makes perfect sense. So switching back to how Maine Outdoor Brands, as, as it has grown and, 
you know, starting to notch some successes. And, and at the same point, um, the group is a leading advocate for the state office. How, how do you, how do you see the, the balance between Maine outdoor brands and what the state office of outdoor recreation in Maine potentially hopes to become? I mean, how, how what's the division there? So, uh, a great question because I, I don't really know the answer to that quite uh, quite yet. We are uh, we are looking at different models, and uh, in our state there are two models that are kind of relevant to this. There's the main office of tourism, and there's the main tourism association. The main tourism association is a hundred year old association that that survives and thrives very much to this day with probably close to a thousand members, if not more. And then you have the main office of tourism, a state entity uh, that was formed in the 1980s, and they they coexist. And I think they're aligned probably on 80, 90 percent of what they do, but they are separate entities. And uh, the state doesn't have to ask the main Tour- tourism association for approval on things. But if you want to get the largest association, uh, tourism association in the state on board with what you're doing, you probably should. So they have a relationship, and it's just, um, I, you know, I've, I've heard it's, for the most part, very productive, but sometimes a little cantankerous. And so for us, that's like, that could be one way we go. And then the other uh, is we have the main International Trade Center, which is a quasi-state entity. The executive director of the Trade Center is a state employee within the Department of Economic and Community Development. But the board of the organization is comprised from the private sector. And so it's a really nice mashup of public-private uh, going on. The funding, much of the funding of the uh, organization comes from the state, but also from member dues and supporters and events that they put on. And I think they get quite a bit of traction in what they're trying to do because they represent both the business community and also the interests of the state. So that's also very intriguing to us as a potential model for where we go. But I think Maine Outdoor Brands is always going to be serving the needs of the outdoor product companies first and foremost. Uh, And so we're anxious to see where the state lands and what their mission is and how they um, structure themselves to support it. And at that point, I think we'll determine how best uh, how best Maine Outdoor Brands will go forward. Yeah, it's and I mean I'm that was an excellent answer. I I mean I don't know how I would answer that in Vermont. I mean it's a very (laughs) it's a very uh, complicated thing and and I think um you know the further you get down this road the the more vocabulary and the more ability you have to describe what's actually going on right in front of you but it is um it, it it's a big question you know what is the role of the state and what is the role of the private organization and how do those two things you know work off of each other I, I think one of the epiphanies that I've had recently is that the benefit of the state organization is not necessarily where it's housed, that it's housed in economic development, but the fact that it's in the state and they can touch the Department of Transportation, they can touch the, you know, ANR, they can touch all these, all these organizations. And and really, I think that sort of is the phase two of all of this is, you know, to get it, you know, you, you have to have that private sector, right? Because you need to have it unhinged from government at some point. Um, and then once you have an office that's in place, um, Hopefully, it's a, you know it has a solid enough footing to uh, to influence and affect some of the other things that are going on there. Um, and this is sort of I'm backing into the question, but was it always targeted as a as a hopeful landing in economic development in Maine, or were were, were other departments looked at for it? Um, it's where we went first, and it's it, it point well taken where you're going because I don't know where it's going to land or where it would be ideally situated. I. It, it could be, as in some Western states, it's part of the governor's office. It's not necessarily in sure. one of the um, separate offices beneath the governor. So, again, this is all kind of comes out of once they determine the mission, where do you situate the office for greatest efficacy? And right now, where it is under tourism, we've, we've heard quite a bit of, oh, is this a tourism initiative? And it's like, no, it's not tourism. And further complicating is that Carol Ann Ouellette, who is the director, was Maine's uh, director of tourism for 10 years. Mm. So people think they see her back, they see this within the tourism office, and they assume immediately that this is a tourism initiative. 
I, I mean, I think we all believe that tourism leads to economic development. It's, it's hard to imagine somebody just picking up their business from another state and, and just plopping it in Maine without having spent some time there, whether it was fishing or hunting or camping or whatever it happened to be. Right. So tourism is absolutely vital to the process of economic development. But, you know, having this office within tourism long term, I think, would probably be problematic, um, whether it's in the DECD or whether, um, you know, it's, uh, it, you know, the agriculture, forestry, conservation or IFNW, fish and wildlife. I'm not sure, and I think that's all that'll all get sorted. Does does Maine is tourism also with marketing in Maine the way it is in Vermont? Uh, tourism, yeah, uh, the office of tourism as far as marketing goes. Is that what you mean? Well, so Vermont is uh, tourism and marketing is one department, which is yes, it is one department. Right, and so it's you know it's interesting you know um, marketing is a huge piece of this as well you know and I think you know both of us coming from marketing worlds and and applying those skills and, and learned habits to this world, I mean, it would be really hard to do without a strong footing in marketing, you know, to be able to get a website up and running and host a press conference and spread the word and even craft what that message might be. You mentioned to me the other day that you actually had a little bit of a role in looking at some draft legislation for this. How, how was that? <laughs> that was a first for me. I mean, my background is copywriting and I've written ads and I've written TV spots and I've written radio spots. I found myself having to author a bill. <laughs> first. Oh my God. And when, uh, and wait, and so where did you start? Well, I started, so our process here in Maine, and this is probably similar to other states, but I'm going to show my political night here that, um, it was important for us to get a placeholder in the budget uh, for the upcoming year. And so right. um, a number of bills get submitted this time of year. The cutoff is December 31st so that the legislature will even consider them. And so for us, it was incumbent upon us just to get something in there as a placeholder. We didn't have to say, Here's how every penny was going to be spent. We didn't have to talk about here's exactly what the, how the money is going to be allocated. It was really more to talk about the intent of the office uh, and, and and just get it in there. And so we drew, I drew from a number of different documents that we had created over the past year. Sure. Um, and, and consulting with different um, different members of the board, uh, Kay Henry, who is. Um, one of the founders of Mad River Canoe, who now lives in Maine and is on the mob board, um, has had some experience with this, certainly with her work on the national level with OIA. And so between us, we, we kind of crafted something that uh, we had a, a, a friendly legislator who was willing to go to bat and take it for us and submitted it. And uh, she wrote me back, you're in. So we're one of, I don't know, 2,000 bills that are probably up in Augusta right now, but right. at least we've got a foot in the door. <laughs> and so, which is amazing. I mean, congratulations. Like now you can put that, you should update your LinkedIn page saying that you can now craft legislation. Yeah. When it passes, I'd be happy to do that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it's interesting. And I, I am, uh, boy, I sort of lost my, my, my thread of conversation there. It's okay. I can edit this out later. Um, in terms of where... It's going now. I mean, Maine, for people who aren't super aware, I mean, Maine has a term limit on the governor's seat, correct? And Governor LePage is 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 done this term, correct? He is gone. He will be gone in January. And it's been, you know, he's, you know, uh, Republican or was he independent or Republican? Well, he was very Republican. Very Republican and very, very um, bombastic and possibly even Trumpian, some might say. Um, and so for a while, this was... I, I don't know, in terms of how the conversation went originally, was um, was that administration opposed to it or was it just naturally skeptical of any increase in government? Um, I think I think his administration was absolutely skeptical of any uh, increase in government. The commissioner, Commissioner Gervais, who we first approached and first worked with. Commissioner of Economic Development? Exactly. Uh, was very understanding of what we were trying to do. And then when you put the OIA data on the table in a way that he could appreciate and understand and show him some stats about his state, he was extremely interested. So I think that 
for him and and at, at that level, it was the the strength of main outdoor brands as a, a, a as the focal point for all of these different companies, as opposed to I had heard that over the years you might get one owner of a company coming up to the DECD and asking for the formation of this office and they'd be rebuffed because it was just like, who, who are you? You know, I, I get, right. there's a guy who's going to be here in 10 more minutes and he wants an office or she wants an office for something else. That when we kind of came in as a unified voice with a very clear message, with a very clear ask, with really strong data to support our argument, it was a lot easier for the commissioner to then go to the governor with that and then, I, from what I understand, the governor said, find some money to make it happen. So I, I you know, not showing my colors, but I, there wasn't a lot that I could find ground with our governor in the last eight years, but I am thankful for his, uh, for, for his funding of this um, temporary position that we have right now. I mean, it's interesting, you know, we're in Vermont working with the Republican administration as well. And, and I do think there's a, uh, it's funny, it seems to be an open conversation for maximizing outdoor recreation infrastructure. Um, I, I don't want to make it opposing conservation because that's not what it is. But I think mm -hmm. for some people on, on the Republican side of the aisle, this is an opportunity to, to maximize, you know, land resources within a state without drilling them and without, without cutting the trees down. So it is a, um, there's opportunity there. I also think it's a good you know, bipartisan or even nonpartisan door opener, uh, because it can be really good for small, small rural economies. You know, I mean, I think that's really, that's, that's, that's the dream, I think, for a lot of us is how do we, how, how do we unhinge this from the big urban centers and, and share the wealth to, uh, to the small towns around the state? Um, how, in terms of your, the meetings that you've had with the state, how, or even meetings with Maine Outdoor Business, how relevant and important was the fact that other states around the country are doing this? Uh, I think it, it contributed somewhat to the conversation. I think Maine is like 12 or 13th at this point to get on the bandwagon. Uh, and as you know, obviously Vermont is uh, in there already, but there aren't that many states east of the Mississippi. And so I think uh, as I've talked to um the commissioner and others, there was a sense of urgency to let's let's lead this and let's not be playing catch up with everyone else once all the states have this office. Right. There's an opportunity, the first mover opportunity. And so they saw that for sure. And, and to kind of round back on something you said too, Drew, this, this has been extremely non-political and we've almost gone out of our way not to take stands on some of the more controversial conservation questions that have come up. Um, I've had a couple different people call me and have, what's Maine Outdoor Brands feel about this? What does Maine Outdoor Brands feel about that? And steered clear. I mean- You're talking about business, me media requests or just- new people, That's important. Right, you're talking about media requests asking for your for your, the group's position or are you talking about just other organizations? Um, uh, media requests. Interesting. Media requests. And, and it's, I, I get it, but I mean, yeah. the, not what we do we're we're not we're not we want to make, remain as apolitical as possible i mean there's certain uh, for certain caller members i'm sure they would have a feeling one way or the other on some of these but as an organization we felt that it's very important to to remain as neutral as possible so that we're not seen as you know a, a, you know conservationists posing as economic development or or big business posing as conservationists you know it's like we're we're really looking out for both. Yeah, it's interesting. And I think that is kind of a, a, a fundamental difference between what's going on in Eastern states with the outdoor recreation movement and Western states. I mean, so much in the Western states is, is really public land based. And with the threats to public lands uh, out West, you know, they're aligning like, you know, we want the economy that comes out of the public lands. You're taking the public lands away. Therefore, you know, this is a political conversation. On, yeah. on our side of the country, you know, east of east of Sydney, Nebraska, I mean, we're trying to to figure out how, you know, I think it's a you know, rural land planning initiative as much as anything else. But but it is certainly an economic development conversation, stopping the brain drain, all that other stuff in terms of the political nature of it. Does your 
I can't remember what you formed Maine Outdoor Brands as, but does that have any uh, impact or limitation on your abilities to be a political organization? Uh, that's another great question. So we're a 501c6. Um, so we are not a charitable organization. Um, and again, we modeled ourselves somewhat after OIA, which has the foundation. And hopefully someday we will have a foundation that's a C3 that can be doing more charitable, more right. uh, outreach, conservation outreach. But the core organization right now is a C6, which does allow us to do more lobbying. We're not paying anybody to do that, but we just wanted to stay on that side of it. Exactly. I got you there. In, in terms of what is going on in Maine, back to in, inside Maine, who are some of the other key individuals that are really, um, I mean, I, I know you've done a ton of work on this, but but obviously some other people have also been a part of it. Who are some other people that have really been um, effective advocates in this area? Oh, wow. Well, the list is long and many. I mean, I, I'm going to leave out a ton of people just by naming 20, but uh, I mean, the initial brands that came on board, David Koritz, one of the founders of good to go and James Morin, um, one of the owners of Flowfold, uh, Alicia McClay at Trail Space, Brian Threlkeld is a photographer at, in the outdoor space. Um, L.L. Bean has been supportive. I mean, L.L. Bean has had a really interesting role in this in that um, it would have been very easy for them to come to the table and say, we're L.L. Bean and suck up a lot of the oxygen in the room. And sure. they just so kind of beautifully played the role of older brother, not yeah. big brother, in um, providing guidance, providing uh, help when asked, being there for you, but not in an overbearing way in that, you know, a $2 billion company sitting at the table with a $100,000 company can be very intimidating. And they, they've just walked that line so beautifully and, and we appreciate that. So, and, and of course, when L.L. Bean says we really need an office of outdoor recreation, people, people listen, listen to that too. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, it helps. There have been a lot of people that have been working on this behind the scenes. Kay Henry, our board, um, uh, just uh, like I said, I, I know I'm leaving out dozens, but yeah. a lot of, you know, a lot of voices. And in terms of, you know, I mean, you, it's interesting, you know, I wonder when you started down this road, did you realize how far it was going to go and how much work it was going to be, or or did you have did you have any you have any idea how many hours you're going to be sinking into this? I had no idea. I mean, it, it really did start as a passion project for my business partners and I. I mean, our um, I have two partners. One of the other partners and I spent many years at Ella Bean, so uh, the outdoors was ingrained in us from there in our personal uh, lives, and so we had been going to outdoor retailer for years and years and we worked with a number of these outdoor brands and we saw an opportunity and i think just being marketers we just said you know this this there could be something here but let's just see what happens and we just brought the resources of the agency to bear and kind of getting it up and running and it ran i mean it just started to go and the more we kind of, you, you give it 10% and you get 50%, you know, you give it 20%, you get 100%. It just, it just kept growing and growing and growing um, to the point where we have now a part-time person who manages some of the day-to-day -day for main outdoor brands. It's just beyond what I can put in. But I mean, I would guess this year alone, it's, it's probably been close to half my time has just spent on Mob as opposed to oh uh, Blake, the company. That's, that's a, that's a huge chunk. I mean, you know, it's interesting. I think, um, I think there's really sort of two dynamics that are in play in terms of the energy around this, this idea. I mean, one is, I, I just had a conversation with um, a client the other day about how when you get, when you get a, a group of outdoor industry people together in a room, um, even if they don't know each other that well, they, they feed off of each other. And they, and they yeah. I think it's really hard for a group to not end up with some sort of plan after just hanging out for a couple minutes. I also think that there's a definitely a dynamic that there's a little bit of Colorado fatigue out there, you know, that, that, you know, there's so much, so much news, so many headlines about companies moving to certain towns and, you know, just how much activity and how much excitement there is that when you get outside of that, that initial bubble, people, um, people are really excited for the chance to network locally and regionally 
um, and, and try to put some of their effort into that space. So, I mean, I, I tip my hat to you guys for, for pulling it off in Maine. Other than getting this office up and running in Maine, what's what's next? Like, what's what's the big, or, or is that the big lift right now in terms of what you guys are doing? I, I you know, I think the getting the office established and permanently funded is going to be, I mean, given all the time that everybody has put into this in the last year and a half, we can't stop now. I mean, that has to just happen and it has it before we kind of turn our attentions elsewhere. So that, that remains absolutely a priority. And so and what will, upper, excuse me, oh, but sorry. so, so that budget will run out in June. So, and I assume your legislature kicks off in January. So, I mean, it's, it's, there's going to be, you're going to be testifying. People are going to be going to the state house. I mean, uh, that that could be. I mean, are, are, have you seen a calendar? You're anticipating a calendar for how much of a lift that's going to be? Um, I have not yet. So I mean, so much is changing. We have a new governor. Our um, our House and Senate are now both democratically controlled, as well as the governor's office. So wow. big change. To mean yeah. how cantankerous the last eight years stuff was just it was a mess. There was such a gridlock going on up in the state capitol that um, the 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 House and Senate would put a budget together. The governor would veto it. It would go back for a revote because they could up, override the governor's veto. And the amount of energy and time that that sucked up, I think, really contributed to how long it took to get things passed. Uh, this year, or 2019, with such alignment up there, I'm hopeful it'll go pretty smoothly. Um, we're In addition to submitting the bill to the legislature, we are also working with the um, governor's transition team in trying to get the office put into the governor's own budget. And so ultimately those th- two things get reconciled, but we'd feel great if it weren't coming in from both angles because then it would, it, the likelihood of something happening would be much higher, of course. So that's huge for us. And then the other is just like, how can we continue to provide value to the members? How do we continue to show right. um, that we're advocating for them? And so whether that's outdoor retailer, more regional shows, um, we've talked about having some shows in the state or dovetailing onto some things in the state, uh, but we want to help some of the smaller brands kind of make a louder, uh, more impactful uh, help them with a more impactful message, I guess, is where we're trying to go. Yeah, I mean, they're the, you know, small brands are the future of the outdoor industry. And um, that's that's true nationally and regionally. Small brands, they're either, you know, a couple of things are going to happen. One, they're going to go out of business. Two, they're going to thrive. And then three, they might thrive there and they might thrive somewhere else, you know. And so mm-hmm. I think I think embracing those small brands is is a huge part of it and key. Will, so will you guys have a, a booth at the upcoming January uh, snow show? We will not. So we, um, it's just, it for us, the cost of three shows just prohibits us from participating. Sure. I'll be out with a couple other folks just kind of checking it out. Um, and we'll definitely be there summer. And then to be seen whether we'll do November or January next year, January 20, uh, but I think we're twice a year. I think that's, at least at this point, that's as much as we can afford to do. Well, that's that's pretty huge. I mean, I think you're one of a, a very short list of states that that has it together enough to have an effect, you know, a, a formal and effective presence at those shows. So so well done there. Well, Jim, hey, I, I really appreciate the time. I'm uh, I'm psyched about this conversation. I think it went really well. Excited to listen to it. But um, love to uh, get you back on here sometime in the future when we have more to talk about. Uh, thanks so much, Drew. I really do appreciate the opportunity, and uh, and thanks for your doing this because uh, this is how you get the word out. So thanks for taking your time. My, my pleasure, and. Uh...